I thank you for your prayers for uh, the United Kingdom. I haven't got time to go through it today, maybe another time, but uh, it'll be summarized by three words, favor, favor, favor. Everywhere we went, every meeting we had, every person we met, it was just unusual and extraordinary favor from God. I think summed up by the fact that uh, Brendan shot off into town one day. I didn't go and I was getting ready for the next day. And he went, wanted to see Buckingham Palace. He got there at the very time the Queen was going to come out in her carriage and, um, and uh, because of birthday celebrations. So I said to him, did you invite her to UK and beyond? Give her some brochures. And uh, I think he failed at that point. But, uh, but it was just, that, that, that summed it up. It's almost like whatever it was, God was just there, gone before us. We were in the UK for 10 days, 10 days of sunshine and no rain. That never happens in the UK except when Church Unlimited is there. It was just, it was just extraordinary meetings. I, I mean, I could, I, honestly, I could go on and on and on, and maybe one day I will when I get a chance. But um, yeah, it was, it was just fantastic and uh, so, so good. So very excited about UK and beyond. Hey, um, you've got three days prayer and fasting. You know about that, Tuesday to Thursday, then the half night of prayer, 7 to 11. I've been merciful to everybody because... Last time at West, we were 8 p.m. to 4 a.m., and uh, so I've had a lot of complaints of why we've cut it back, but uh, I said, well, I'm making a mess decision myself, and we're just going to cut it back anyway, so all right, all right, okay. All right, so let's come to the Word of God, shall we? You all doing all right? Yeah, okay. Father, we thank you for your presence, and Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will... uh, just minister by the power of your spirit into our hearts and our lives today. Father, let your word, Lord, be with your spirit and your presence. And Lord, Father, let it speak. Lord, not just information, but transformation. Lord, let us hear your voice so clearly this morning. And as a result of it, make adjustments in our lives. Father, that will move us forward in our service for you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Raising children to follow Christ, think about this, is the primary method God uses to establish his dominion on the earth. Raising kids. In other words, if we can get all the kids that we have and Christian kids and future Christian kids to follow Christ, it's going to bring dominion to a measure on the earth. Of course, there's a lot more we have to do than that, but that's one of the key ways You think about New Zealand, if we could just get back all the backslidden Christians, the percentage of Christians in New Zealand would just skyrocket. And this is a strategy other religions are using. Get the kids, get the kids, get the kids, and bring dominion and rulership. And so I want to address this whole issue because uh, I don't think there's any many topics more important than the one we're going to talk about right now, because we're to pass on our faith to our children and... um, that will certainly help us fulfill the great commission to which God has called us. So I'm going to start with Psalm 78. And I read these verses the other a while ago, and they just jumped out of the page and struck me with some force. Psalm 78 verse 1 says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Then it says, verse 5, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make known, these are the laws of God, to their children, that the generation to come might know him, 
the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, children to children to children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of the Lord, but keep his commandments. You know, one huge aspect of this area of reaching New Zealand and reaching the nations is our calling to the 414 window. And what I mean by that is those aged 4 to 14, which is seen as a golden age of opportunity to be one to Christ. Surveys say that 85% of people become Christians between age 4 and 14. 85%. You want to reach this nation? Go after the kids. Go after the kids. They're just that much easier to reach, which you're going to see very shortly. And then it says that, one survey says that, found that age 5 to 13, there's a 32% probability of a person accepting Christ. 5 to 13. Then it changes dramatically. 5 to 13, 32%. 14 to 18, 4%. 19 plus 6%. It just declines away. And then they found this, that those who get saved before their teens are more likely to remain committed to Christ than those who get saved older. So you want to get them when they're young. Top researcher George Barner says, what you believe, listen to this, at age 13 is pretty much what you're going to die believing. And this gives great hope to parents who have raised Christian kids. Because even though they may be away from God today, there's every probability they're going to die being believers in Jesus Christ. The prodigals are coming home. The ex-church are returning to the church. And we will win the war over the children. But it's really important to understand some of these truths and some of these principles uh, from, from God's Word. And the goal of this message is that we all don't end up with a greater heart for kids for kids to know God, and children aged 4 to 14 are the ripest harvest field in the world. 4 to 14. Approximately 43% of the world's population is aged 0 to 24. 43%. Guess where the church needs to focus? <laughs> Not exclude anything else, for sure, but 43%. That under the age of 14 is that what I said? 14, yeah. That's, uh, I'm sorry, under the age of 24. And the highest response is when friends and family share Christ with them. We heard Sam said today, he was watching something, Pastor Sam. He said the latest statistics that in high schools, now 50% of kids self-harm. 50%. 50%. Who reckons our nation is in very serious trouble? Very serious trouble. I couldn't believe it. One and two. That's what makes a message like this so important. So leaders say that churches with a strong focus on children and teaching them to be sensitive in the Holy Spirit will be at the forefront of the coming revival. And this message today is for those of you who have children, those of you who will have children, those of you who have grandchildren, those of you who have great-grandchildren, those of you who ever see a child anywhere on the planet, this message is for you because they are the ripest harvest field in the world. And we can all influence kids for Jesus. It's not hard to do. 
So let's go to Matthew 18, 1 to 5, and let's see what it says there. Matthew 18, 1 to 5. At that, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to them, set him in the midst of them, and said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 5, whoever receives this little child, therefore whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives this little child like, like this in my name receives me. Childlike faith is a key to greatness in the kingdom of God. Children so easily believe. I have two grandchildren, Zach and Emma, and they just believe so easily. You know, there's a God, there's Jesus. He saves. Yeah, okay, great. Thank you. Do you want to receive Jesus? Yes, I do. I mean, it's so, so simple, you know, because they have that childlike faith. And then, then we just get intelligent <laughs> and smart <laughs> and think, oh, no, we don't believe in God anymore. A childlike faith. Spurgeon said, the opinion that children cannot receive the whole gospel is a grave mistake. For the child condition is a help rather than the hindrance. The opinion that children can't receive the whole gospel is a grave mistake. No matter what age your kids are, I'm going to give you some stories soon that are going to rock your socks of what kids are capable of. See, I believe the key to our kids following Jesus long term is not just that they come to church and kids. I think that's absolutely critical, but we've got to get them serving God as well. We've got to get them activated in their gifts and, and being mobilized into service because that makes their Christianity exciting. They start to see God at work. They start to see God working and moving through their lives. If it's come and sit and watch all the time, it's going to get pretty boring. Got to get them serving, mobilized, activated. And that's what tonight's, or today, you're going to do it? Are you doing it here, Ray? That's what today is all about, activating your kids. It's a fantastic thing to do. See, as parents, it's vital we believe our kids can hear God's voice, experience His presence and His power, that, uh, you know, that they can be used in serving. And our faith level can help release them into more of God or less. If we believe they can, they probably will because they rise to our level of believing. If we think they can't, they probably won't. Let's believe more, you know. Let's expect our children to love God, to read their Bibles, to worship, to enjoy services, to serve Him. Don't let them sit in services on a screen, <laughs> on, a, on an iPhone or iPad, because you know what that does? That, you know what that teaches them? It teaches them that God is boring and church is boring and the iPhone is more interesting. Thank you for the overwhelming response on that point. Obviously, you clearly got that. <laughs> So there's a children's meeting took place near Kansas City, USA. Seven-year-old girl lay in the power of God for two and a half hours. God took her to heaven, and she described heaven like a scholar who had studied scriptures for years. God showed her a nation and things about the government and the culture. It seemed like she was a political scientist or had been plugged into an encyclopedia. That's how well she described it, seven years old. God told her, he was going to pour out a spirit on that nation. He would send her there and said to her to get ready for this calling. When asked, which nation is it? She said, it's North Korea. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? Go Donald Trump. <laughs> well, whoever, I don't know. But it's just so, you know, maybe the, that nation's going to clearly open up, going to open up for, the, for God to do something in that country. But my point that I'm making here 
is that a seven-year-old captured by God with a vision of her future. Why don't you ask God to recapture your heart with his plan, his purpose, his design, his call, his future for your life, because that's what makes Christianity exciting. When you have a sense of destiny and purpose and future and serving, it keeps it all alive and keeps it all awake in our hearts. When children are saved, they receive the same Jesus and Holy Spirit as adults, can be greatly used by God. They are the most underutilized workforce in today's church. Kids are the most underutilized workforce in today's church. That's what's being said these days. And they're a vital part of a necessary army to get the task of world evangelization done. Kids can easily reach other kids. I mean, my Zach, my Zach, grandson Zach, he goes to school and he's always asking kids, do, do you know God? Do you go to church? If not, why not? He's six years old, bold as anything. And uh, he invites them to church. We've got to mobilize that army. Get them going and see what God will do. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. This includes children. How many of you believe children can hear the voice of God? Regardless of age. Okay. Ariana's five years old. She goes on an outreach. They're told to ask God to highlight a person to them, and if they couldn't write it down, get a message for them. Uh, you know, if they couldn't write it, uh, draw a picture. So a girl was, uh, God highlighted a person to Ariana, gave her a picture of all these smiley faces, so she drew a whole lot of them. Found the person it was meant for, went up to this lady and gave her the picture of smiley faces, and, um, and she said, uh, this is from God. And the lady smiled, was about to walk away. Ariana said, uh, do you want to know why God wants to give you Smiley pictures of smiley faces? She said, no. She said, God wants you to know he's not mad at you. And he smiles, at which point she bursts into tears. And says she'd walked away from God, made many bad choices. And that day she'd been saying to God, I know you're mad at me and you could never forgive me. A five, she recommitted her life to Christ. A five-year-old hears the voice of God. So we need to train our kids to hear the voice of God. But hey, not only five-year-olds hear the voice of God, so do 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, however old you are, we also can hear the voice of God and minister in His power. So let what, let, let's stir our hearts to step up into another level in our service for God as well. And can I just say to you right now, and I felt to say it as I prepared this message, is that God's not mad at you. Whoever you are, no matter what your history, no matter what your background, no matter what your week has been like, no matter what took place this current week, God is not mad at you. He loves you. He accepts you. He receives you. He may want you to turn away from some stuff that is not good in your life, but he's not mad at you. He loves you, and he calls you to himself with open arms. And if there's sin, you can confess it because the blood of Jesus has never lost its power. You don't have to walk out of this place thinking you're at, at, at odds with God. You can get that sorted out. That's what church is all about. We bring God and people together, and we're pretty good at doing that. So, Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe. Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. How many of you know that kids believe? Yeah, they believe, don't they? They've got a simple faith. You know, I think some of us are now praying, 
We need to get rid of all our intellect and strategizing and calculating and, you know, theories and understanding of prayer and why it works and doesn't work and what obstruction there, and just become like little children and say, oh, God, uh, thank you, you're going to answer my prayer. Childlike faith. We complicate things so much. And God just says, no, bring it down. You want to be great in the kingdom? Become like a little kid. You know, don't get too smart. <laughs> don't get too intelligent, too intellectual. There's nothing wrong with those things. But they can mess up your faith in a big way. So there's a team of children went to a hospital in Kenya. 50 to 60 babies were in there sick with the malaria. Children ministered to each of the babies and their mothers. They could sense a presence of God. They felt God was at work in this place. So the next day they, they rang the local uh, hospital doctor, the pastor rang and said, how are the babies doing? The director was so excited. He said they released almost all the babies that morning. The malaria had gone. Nearly 60 babies healed of malaria within 24 hours as children ministered to them in the power of God. <laughs> Adults, forget going to the hospital. Send the kids. Send the kids then to pray. If someone's sick, you know, don't ask for Julian. Get one of your kids to go in. Five-year-olds, you're going to actually believe. Don't ask for me to go in. They get some seven-year-olds. They actually believe God's going to hear an answer. You know what I'm saying? The most underutilized army in the world. We've got to get this, folks. We've got to get this. We've just got to get it. Otherwise, there's so little of the army trying to get the job done. We know we're not getting the job done. Because too many people are not active. That's why what we're going to do this morning, what you guys are going to do, is so very, very important. Christian parents are ideally a place to lead their children to the Lord. Don't wait, do it now. Our wife, my wife, Adrian, told our daughter a simple gospel story and then asked if she wanted to ask Jesus in her heart to be a savior, which she did, four years old. She's never turned back. It was real, it was powerful, it was life-changing. But you've got to tell them the facts of the gospel. You know, don't tell them, oh, do you want to believe in Jesus? Everyone's probably going to say yes, but I think add more to it. What are the facts of the gospel? Well, very simple. I can't go through it all. God sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross. Why? Because of our sins. Jesus' blood was shed. He was buried. On the third day, he, God raised him back to life again. If we believe in him and ask him to forgive our sins, he'll come into our hearts. We'll become a child of God, and he promises us eternal life. They're the simple facts of the gospel. See, children are not just a future church. They are today's church. They're today's leaders. They're today's evangelists. They're today's ministers. Let's go to Mark chapter 10 and verse 13. <clears throat> and they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them, those who brought them. And when Jesus saw it, he was displeased, and he said, Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, for as such is the kingdom of God. Verse 16, And he took them up in his arms, laid hands on them, and blessed them. You know, when no one wanted to look after the kids, Jesus Step forward, he was the first children's pastor. That's the heart of God. He loves, 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 loves children. He was a children's pastor. I think he understood if you get the children, you get the teenagers, you get the adults, you get the nation, if you get the children. You know, children must never be neglected, obviously, in a bagged room, in a back room, and, you know, given DVDs to occupy them. There's an enormous war on children. Think about this. They're the victims today of the deterioration of the family unit. This is painful stuff. They're the victims of divorce. They're victims of sexual abuse, of moral decline, of violence, of neglect, of substance abuse, of drugs, and of alcohol. They are the victims, folks. They are the victims. 
And many today, most have deep hurts. Deep, deep hurts. And they need to know God for themselves. They need to know God's love. They need to know his reality and his healing power. They need a relationship with Jesus, which is probably the only thing that's going to help them passage through the brokenness and the hurt and the pain in their lives. It's true for us, but it's even more true for the kids. We've got to minister as effectively to our kids as we can and then release them as well to minister to others. <clears throat> Isaiah 18, 8 verse 18, The children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders. You know, Satan will do everything he can to hinder this ministry. He just will. He'll cause those called to work with children to be diverted to more popular ministry. Make sure there's a lack of kids' workers. Discourage those involved with children. Ensure this ministry is understaffed and underfinanced. But we're working against that at Church Unlimited. You know, in the 1950s, 50% of children attended Sunday school or kids' church, 50%. 1980s, 14%. Today, I don't know, probably about 3 or 4%. Imagine that. Look what's happened to this nation, folks. Do you ever think about it? 50% 50% were in church just only 50 years, 60 years ago. Then 40%, now probably, I don't know what it is now, but it's probably 3 or 4% of that. Because that's about the all percentage of Christians we've got left in the country. We're, we're a declining number. That's why we have New Zealand Beyond. We're so passionate about it. We've got to just turn this ship around and get people saved and discipled and <clears throat> all the rest of it. So I'm going to share some, kids to, some keys with you to raising kids that will love God. And even if they're away right now, we're going to believe they're going to come back. So in everything I share, there is no condemnation because none of us do it all right. Adrian and I didn't all do it all right. Adrian made quite a few mistakes. <laughs> Always remember this. God is a perfect father, Right? And he has masses of rebellious kids. So you can be perfect parents and have rebellious kids. That's why there's no condemnation. But you can do a checklist of a few things that might help us to be a bit more sure that we're doing everything we can to get our kids to follow the Lord. Nehemiah 4.14, remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your sons and your daughters. You've got to fight for them, your sons and your daughters. It's so important. So here's some tips, all right? Some thoughts. <clears throat> pray for your family and your children and pray with them on a regular basis. Just pray, pray with your kids. It doesn't have to be for an hour or half an hour or 20 minutes, but just pray with them. You know, at least, you know, extend your grace <laughs> from 30 seconds to five minutes and just, hey, kids, can we all just pray for something? I don't know. However you want to do it, but pray with your kids, but also pray for them. And teach your children the basic truths of the Christian faith. Find out what are the foundations. I've mentioned the gospel story, but find out some of the basics, the essentials, and teach your children what they are. Some people say use uh, Proverbs because it's a primary instructional book for parents to use to train their children. Teach them a biblical worldview so they won't end up believing there are many ways to Christ. Uh, sorry, many ways to God. And they'll believe that Jesus is the only way, a biblical worldview. So teach them the basics. If you don't know them, go online, find out, contact the church office. We can help with that sort of stuff. All right, you ready for more? Okay, fasten your seatbelts. There's a bit of turbulence in the air. <clears throat> don't allow your children to miss church on Sunday so they can participate in sports. 
Oh, why do I say that? For some, it's an unwritten law. Honor the Sabbath day, except if your child is involved in sports. You know what that does? It teaches them that sports and hobbies are more important than worshiping God. If you keep Sunday for church, it will keep your kids in church as they get, get older. You know, we need to make some tough decisions as parents and go against the tide of what all your friends might be doing. You know, worship God first and foremost. And I want to say this. Every time you get yourself and your kids to church, you give the devil a blood nose. You, you smack him one. Every time you come on Sunday, you bang, you just smack the devil again. Bring him the next Sunday, you just smacked him again. Bring him the next Sunday, because he hates it when you get to church and bring your children. He can't stand it. He'll do everything in his power to stop you getting to church each Sunday, because he knows that's the lifeblood, or a lot of the lifeblood for us to keep going on with God. Mm. Just a thought. It's getting worse before it gets better. Next one. <clears throat> If your spouse has to work or is unable to get to church, you come anyway. Excited response on that one, I can see that. Even though it can be a hassle to get the children ready for church on your own, because you know you don't want to teach your kids that we only go to church and serve God when it's convenient. How many days do you go to work when you don't feel like it? Most days? Every day. Every day, right? You still go, why? Because it's important. But when you don't feel like coming to church, oh, well, we're just sleeping today. It's not going to train your kids to love church and love God. Really important to get that one sorted out. <clears throat> Guard against living a compromised life at home, just for yourself, but even for the sake of your kids. Don't watch ungodly TV shows or listen to ungodly music or tell racist or, or dirty jokes. or Don't tell racist jokes about Indians. And about curry munches. And, right? Don't do that, all right? Not in front of your kids. <laughs> Did I tell you I was driving down the road one day and some guys were coming past and, and I was sort of coming, bringing my car. No, I was walking past and the car was coming out and the, guys, uh, the guy in the car got annoyed and he said, get out of the way, you curry muncher. <laughs> I took it as a compliment. I thought, that's, what I, that's exactly what I am. Thank you, Tark Barna Curry Muncher. <laughs> all right. So, don't do all that bad stuff. Use foul language in front of your kids and then go to church and act spiritual on Sundays. It's hypocrisy and they'll see right through it. Wisely supervise your children. Know what they are watching. Know what they are watching. On the TV, on the computer, on the, on the computer, on the smartphones. You know, if you allow your kids, which I advise against, to have a TV in their room, be sure you know what they are watching. Because X-rated stuff is available now on channel one, two, three, four. You don't need to go to any special channel. It's all there. Everything is exposed. I mean, everything, folks. You've got to know. You've got to supervise. You've got to watch your kids and, and be diligent. Be vigilant yourself, but be diligent with your kids as well so that you know what is going on because what's happening is they, they're, getting, they're getting indoctrinated. Unsupervised kids are getting indoctrinated 60 to 80 hours per week from the world and maybe one hour from the church per week if they're lucky and very little else. If you're getting 60 to 80 hours from the world and one hour from the church, folks, those kids are not on a trajectory of following God as teenagers. Let's get real. Let's understand. These are the realities of it. We've got to get as much God into our kids as we possibly can. Thank you for that one clap. It's better than none. 
Got to get as much God into our kids as we possibly can. Do everything you can and then supervise what they're doing. All right, let's keep going. Don't speak badly about church or leadership in front of your children at home. You know what it does? It puts a critical spirit in them and causes them to not honor church leaders and dislike you. And then one day they just say, oh, I'm not going to that church. I know what that leader's like. I know what that church is like. I'm out of here. Not in front of your kids. Maybe to your husband and wife. That's dangerous enough, but certainly not in front of the kids. Just a little thing, isn't it, to watch, but a really important thing. You've got to keep careful on. All right. Listen to the next one. Fathers, mothers. All right. You listening? Show more enthusiasm for God than for sport. Amen. The All Blacks versus France. Last night or the week before. I don't know. They're all playing all over the place. If you scream and shout during a game, then do the same during worship and preaching. Come on. Come on. Some of you, I hear you yelling at the screen. I hear you talking to the screen. And some of you go the extra mile. You actually stand up when it's getting exciting. Is that right? Well, how about standing up during the preaching and saying, come on, preacher, give it to us. This is good stuff. How can we get more excited than the sports, than about God and serving him in church? How does that ever happen, folks? How did that ever happen? How can we get more excited about the World Cup and Ronaldo than God? Hey? How can we witness more about World Cup soccer than Jesus? Touching a soft point here. I'm going to move on. I'd like to stay on this point, but I'd like to, I think I need to move on. Jeez. I'm doing my best. I heard in the 11 o'clock, I heard at 9 o'clock in, in, at West there was a lot of. It was really interesting to watch, actually. <laughs> there were a few blood noses in the morning. <laughs> As Christian parents, have a good understanding of God and your faith so you can pass it on to your kids. Understand what Christianity is about. Do some research. Find it. It's not complicated. You don't have to read a 100-page book. Just go online. Ring the church. Just say, look, I need to understand the basics, the foundations of Christianity. Pass it on to your kids so they know what they believe and why they believe it. Primary responsibility of training kids in God's ways is not rest, does not rest on the church or kids' church. It rests on parents. We have to own that responsibility. Don't easily miss church because of family events or you're tired from sports on Saturday or you've had a hard week or you're feeling a little bit sick and you want to stay home or go shopping. They'll train children to be lukewarm. You know, Church needs to be a strong, strong commitment in our lives that we will be there. You know, I've done this for 40 years. You virtually never, ever, ever miss church just to be there with God in his presence. Do you know at the end of the day, folks, God really honors that? He really, really honors faithfulness to his house. You're not coming for Church Unlimited. You're not coming for June. You're coming for God. And it honors him so immensely. Do you know the percentage of Christians that turn up to churches slowly just declined? You know, in the 70s, probably 80, 90% of Christians would be in church every Sunday. And now on a good Sunday, you get about 
50% of what on earth the rest are doing, I have no idea, but that's, that's, that's the trend that's happened. And it doesn't, doesn't make for a, you know, we need to, need to make some strong decisions about, you know, being in church. Then spend quality time with your children. Don't sacrifice your children on the altar of work, success, or money. You know, they need to know, kids need to know they're important. Is that good? It gives them good self-esteem. If they're seen as important, it gives them good self-esteem. And then they won't, you know, go in the wrong directions as they get older. Connect emotionally with your children. This is a big one. If you don't know how to get some help. So just don't play ball with them. That's good. Just play games with them. That's good too. But connect with them emotionally. Love them. Hug them. Put your arms around them. You know, love them. Care for them. You know, have that connection with them because it's so important for their development, natural development. Okay, one more. Don't nag your children too much about doing what's right. See, if we get too, if we get too legalistic, it can result in rebellion against authority. Now, I think we get, hey, look, kids, you know, you're in my house, you know, we go to church on Sunday, we worship, we da da da, we don't watch this, that, and that's all fine. But if you go too far on being legalistic, thou shalt A, B, C, D, and E, then eventually those kids may rebel against it and go into sin as a reaction against legalistic religion. So just keep an eye on that one. Here's one more thought. Get your kids ministering and serving God as soon as possible. Get them ministering and serving God as soon as possible because that's what's going to bring their faith alive. See, people need to feel they're useful to God. They need to feel God's power is in them and God can flow through them and God can work through their lives. And so as we do that, God can really, you know, Help us sort that side of things out and, and bring our kids into a good place in God. As parents, let's expect our kids to serve God, not to rebel, not to be dragged to church. Expect them to drag you to church. But I say again, we can do everything right and still find our children struggling in their faith. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. If you're gifted with children, ask God if he's calling you to children's ministry. And let's raise up an army of children that will go on to know God and love Him not only in their early years but as teenagers and through the rest of their days. Let's ask God to help us to diligently and vigilantly pass on our faith to our children and then to be those good role models and examples of what it means to be a true follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. If we can do that, it's going to go a long way to winning this nation for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Just for a matter of interest, I've, I've contacted uh, the powers that be, and there'll be no more uh, rugby or soccer shown on New Zealand television sets because we're all going to be praying and seeking God because uh, I have influence. So I'm sure you won't mind. Every, I'm, I'm sure you're very happy about that because this stuff's a waste of time, isn't it? You, know? you could be praying. I hope there's no games on Friday night when there's a half night of prayer. No, no. Some people look more guilty than others in this room, eh? You know? I'm going to look at anyone in particular. <laughs> or I'm going to hand it over to Julian. All right, and lead in, in praying for the kids and... Uh, have a song or whatever you want to do. Hey, great to see you all. Fantastic. And don't forget, prayer and fasting and then a half night of prayer as well will be awesome. Hey, God bless. Take care. We'll see you again soon. Come on, let's stand. Yeah, give Pastor Tark another hand. That is a great word for us.
all of us that are parents or involved with kids. I don't know if he talked about golf. I think that was our sport. I, I, it didn't come out the whole sermon. I, I noticed he left that out. This have been out. I don't know. Maybe that's allowed. Maybe that's in heaven. That's why. Something like that. The first two letters of golf are the first two letters of God. Oh, okay. G O. Did someone record that? Someone, please. <laughs> I don't know. Is that getting recorded?